Father, tonight as you bring your word to us through your spirit, through the reading of it, Lord, may you grant to us understanding of what we are about to read, what we are about to study. May you help us, Lord, to remember what we study, and above all, Lord, help us to apply your words to our lives, that, Lord, we may find you pleased by what we do, that, Lord, we might be found in obedience to your will, bringing you glory and honor in all things. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God speaks in Isaiah 55, 1-3, and says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? <clears throat> Listen diligently to me and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant. In verse 1, God instructs us to come and buy things that are nourishment and enjoy. But in the very next verse, he asks this question. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? In Psalm 70, uh, 37, 4-5, the psalmist says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord and trust in him. And he will act. God is certainly aware of our activities, and he is saying to us, are you delighting in the things that are of worth? Are you taking delight in the things that will bless? He does not want us to be acting in contradiction to his instructions. He wants us to be blessed. God is informing us that he knows what our lives are about, what our thoughts are what our activities are. Someone that I know once invited me to their home for a visit a number of years ago. And upon entering their living room, I was somewhat surprised by a large flat screen TV dominating one wall. Now this was a time when such televisions were just making their appearance and they cost the equivalent of a small vehicle. The surprise soon turned to consternation as this individual happened to be in dire financial straits that should have prohibited such a purchase in light of the fact that there were things like a mortgage to be paid, bills like electricity and gas and water, and not to mention that food needed to be put on the table for the family. It was a case of unwise desire winning out over responsibility. It sounds an awful lot like the type of thing that God is questioning in verse 2. Are you spending your time and resources on things of worth and of eternal value? Are you making wise decisions in the use of your finances and time? He is obviously not pleased with the evidence in his sight. Are we seeing the long term? He says, you labor for that which does not satisfy. One of the classes I taught at Sunday Breakfast Rescue Mission during my tenure there was money management. And I attempted to make the homeless men aware of their habits in handling their finances. It should be patently obvious to a casual observer that if you are in a homeless state, 
you more than likely had trouble managing money. The key concept that I would try to get them to comprehend is a simple equation that money has on one side of an equal sign and time is on the other side of an equal sign. In other words, as the well-known adage goes, time is money. Usually, there was someone in the class who was addicted to cigarettes, so it made it easy for me to make the point about the relationship of money and time. In fact, the point is that they are one and the same. A pack of cigarettes costs, for ease of explanation, say $10. Now, if an individual smokes one pack a day, that turns into $70 a week. Over the course of a year, it comes out to over $3,600. Then stop for a moment and take consideration of how long it takes to make that kind of money. And if you have no job, and you're on the street, and you're homeless, where in the world do you get money like that to sustain such a habit? One of the answers is it was given to them every month in Social Security checks, government welfare. And at the beginning of the month, you could count on the people to suddenly disappear from the mission for weeks at a time because they got their government check to cash. And at the end of the month, they come back with their head down a little bit, tail between their legs, realizing that they loaned it all on a bottle or a pack of cigarettes or something else of not worthy value. Now once the connection between money and time is established, it should become hard to waste it on things that are not worth. If you translate those dollars into the hours and effort required to earn them, you are less likely to spend them so freely and more likely to learn how to save them. This is something we tried to instill in my granddaughter yesterday when we took her out for lunch. And we stopped at Walmart, and as we walked through the doors of Walmart, there was one of those big machines, you know, the one with the claw that comes down and grabs the toy and then lifts it up and brings it over and drops it into the hole, and you got the prize, right? Not that easy, is it? And this one happened to cost Four quarters, a dollar for every time you try. And so she had five dollars in her hot little hands and she wanted to do it. And after two tries and two misses, we began to explain to her this little equation about money. But it's a little over her head at this stage of life at seven years of age, but you gotta start someplace. And we wanted her to understand you just wasted two dollars and got nothing. God is looking at us and our spending habits. And that's not only with our finances, that's also with our time. And he is questioning the wisdom of our actions. He says, listen diligently to me. Hear what I'm saying to you. That word diligently means consistent in effort to accomplish something, attentive and persistent in doing anything, characterized by steady, earnest, and energetic effort, painstaking, doing it thoroughly and well, not being distracted. I can remember as a boy wanting to borrow the car, and my dad would always make a deal with me. You can borrow the car if you wax it this weekend. You can borrow the car if you wash it this weekend. And invariably, when I would do something like that for my father, he would always point out where I came up short. Oh, this is spot over there. 
miss a spot over here because those words painstaking, diligent, persistent, didn't seem to register in my brain. What registered in my brain was, I'm going to get keys this weekend, I'm going to drive. But doing it right, the way my father expected, was the last thing on my mind. But we're talking about God here. We're talking about the Heavenly Father. We're talking about the Creator looking at our efforts, looking at our activities, and deciding you missed a spot over here. And He's a little bit more attentive to us than our own fathers perhaps were. Notice that this definition begins with the word constant, which indicates continuous action. And what are we to be doing? What did God ask us to do at the beginning of the passage we read? You've got two of them. And they're attached to the side of your head. We are to be listening. Listening to what God is saying to us. And how do we listen to God? How does God speak most clearly to us? If anybody raises their hand and says, oh, I hear God every day. He speaks to me out of the clouds. I think we would want to have a long talk with you, the elders, two pastors, and we want to find out just where you are or where we might have to send you. But the place that God speaks most clearly to us every day is in his word. You cannot hear God any clearer than that unless he does indeed come down and speak to you directly. It is the most direct way that we can know what God expects of us, what God wants us to do. So how do we do that? We read it. We make an effort. We set aside time. Instead of wasting it on other things, we spend time, constant effort, constant attentiveness, and persistence, avoiding distractions, and reading God's Word daily. It requires a commitment. And most of us are commitment-averse these days. We don't like to commit to things. Anytime we ask somebody, hey, you want to go do this with us? Or you going to be at this event or this meeting? Eh, we get the heaven in the hall. Well, let me get back to you. I have to check the calendar. Let me see. But God doesn't want to hear that from us. God wants time with us. God desires time with us. There used to be a song by a guy named Lardell Harris. Anybody ever heard of that name? Singer? And one of his favorite songs was a song that said, I miss my time with you. And it started out describing a meeting at the local cafe. And the person who's singing the song comes into the local cafe with these words. There he was just waiting in our old familiar spot. An empty slate beside it, where once I used to sit. That's not the image that God wants. He doesn't want to be waiting for us to come around. He wants us to desire to be with Him. He wants us to delight ourselves in Him, to listen to Him. More often than not, our prayers are a one-way conversation with us pummeling God's ear with all manner of requests for Him to do something for us already. Very few times do we stop for a moment and wait to hear God speak back. Look in his word to see what he might say in response to our prayers. Most of the time, we really don't expect God to speak to us. 
We may not even be sure we know how to determine whether it is him speaking or our own minds thinking. But there are times that God is very clear in his speech to us. Consider the following thought. Would God ask us to listen diligently to him if it were not possible to hear him directly through his word, through perhaps circumstances in life that lead us in the right path? The trouble is on our end that we do not stop speaking long enough or focus diligently enough for his voice to be heard. We're too busy doing our own things, our own activities, too busy enjoying the entertainments of this world. But God speaks most clearly to us through his word, not necessarily through all means. And if we are not spending time in his word, how do we expect to hear him? His word is there for us any time we want. And he will direct us to the place that he wants us to go, especially when we're questioning, especially when we're asking him to show us something. There will be times you'll just open the word and there's the answer right there in front of you. After all, where did we hear in these words that he was speaking to us today that instructed us to listen? His word. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? How often do you find yourself feeling unsatisfied in life? You feel like there's something missing, like I need to find something. Those are the times that we need to listen diligently to him to eat what is good and to delight ourselves in the rich food that he provides. When you read God's word, you're never disappointed. You're never saying to yourself, gosh, I wish I hadn't opened for that verse. Unless it's telling you to do something against your natural desires, your sinful habits, perhaps. Then we might be a little angry with God that he dragged us there and he's pounding us once again. Listen to me. Stop doing that. Who has a pet sin in their life? Okay, you're all just sin. Hold on. Okay. All of us have a sin that we struggle with on a daily basis. One of the great joys of getting together with Kevin once a week for prayer is we tell each other those sin struggles that we have. We can let our hair down and we can get encouragement from one another that we struggle with things during the week, just like everybody in the world. There's nothing better than being able to go to someone and say, I'm struggling with, and they go, you know what, I'm having the same problem. Because a lot of times we feel like we're all alone in our struggles of sin. And God says, incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant. So let's use that time wisely. Let's go to God and say, God, I am struggling with this. I need your help. And God gives us the method to hear him right there in Isaiah, incline your ear. One of the cute things about our little furry children is whenever we try to talk to them, they give you that little head nod. You're trying to figure out, okay, what is, what is the master saying? And God is saying, incline your ear. Get closer. Hear what I'm saying to you. That your soul may live. Now, 
we to come when we have struggles in life? Where are we to go when we face things that are insurmountable in our lives? It's obvious. We go to Him. We don't sit there and try to figure it out. We don't sit there and try to design a plan to address it. We don't try to do things in our strength because we always end up messing things up. We always end up with more struggle than if we just say, Lord, help me. That's the sweetest and shortest prayer that we have whenever we're facing it. Lord, help me. Now, I know it's not possible in the physical sense that we can go to God's temple, we can go to God's throne, but in the spiritual sense, we are able to visit him. Remember these words of his from John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We must come to the Word because the Word is God. Not to ourselves. And what does he promise will happen when we do that? That your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant. Covenant is another word for commitment. God makes a commitment with us. And God will not renege on it. God will not back out on his covenant. Consider these words and their promise in light of this passage from Psalm 133. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. What exactly does that mean? There the Lord has commanded the blessing. Where is that? Is he talking about Mount Hermon? No, he's referring to what he said in the beginning when he said how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. That's the place that the blessing comes. When we are together, one heart, one mind, one love, that's where the true blessing is forevermore. When we are together with one another, but when we are also together with him in prayer, and in his word, and in fellowship with him. The next day after I accepted the Lord the night before, they had an emotional time down on the beach at the camp we were at. And I'll never forget sitting there in the sand, looking out over this beautiful lake with crystal clear blue skies overhead, not a cloud, pine trees all around, and I had opened in my lap God's Word. And I could feel God's presence that morning in a way I had never felt it before. In fact, the book seemed to glow in my hands as I read it. And I remember how wonderful it was reading God's Word and really grasping it first time. That fellowship with him that day was so sweet. And it can happen anytime we pick up God's word, anytime we make an effort, anytime we're diligent in going off and just having a quiet time with him, we will feel his presence and his spirit. We will feel his comfort. It is worth far more than we can possibly imagine. So he tells us, why are you wasting your money on things that don't satisfy like that? Why are you listening to the world's wisdom? 
Why are you following what Twitter has to say or what Facebook is doing that day or what the entertainment industry is trying to push on you? Psalmist recognized this fact when he wrote these words, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore, an everlasting covenant. It's not a place we're looking for, but it's an activity. It is fellowship, regular communion with God that will bless us. So let us take the time, even this very day, to ponder the use of our time and our money. Are we investing it wisely in things that are of eternal value, or in the things of this world that will come to naught? Are we there in the place that God has commanded the blessing, fellowship with our Lord? Let me read again Psalm 34, 4, 5, 37. Delight yourself in the Lord. Is that where you find your joy? Is that what you look forward to daily? And he will give you the desires of your heart. It's a pretty good deal, isn't it? If I delight myself in the Lord, if he is my primary focus in life, then he's going to give me the desires of my heart. Now, before you start running out to get your lottery ticket for this week, that's not the desire of the heart that God is looking to fulfill. The desire of your heart is that you delight in Him and want to be more like Him and want to do more for Him. God is going to give you those type of desires. God is going to bless you, be effective as you reach out to your family with the good news of the gospel. God's going to bless you as you try to live for him each day and avoid the temptations you face. Those are the things that God is going to give you, those type of desires. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. Do you commit your way to the Lord each morning? You say to God, not what I want to do today, but what will you have me do today, Lord? How can I serve in your name? How can I bring glory to you? Do we think of such things when we get up? With what do you delight yourself? More importantly, with whom do you delight yourself? Amen.